The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Kraftchik. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything, from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters, so we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is, things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in, so feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATEABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash dateable. That is armoire.style spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. The Dateable Podcast is hosted by me, I'm Yue, a former dating coach in New York turned active dater in San Francisco. On each episode, you'll hear commentary by my co-host, Michael Vargas, a fellow dating coach with a clinical psychology background, my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. Stay tuned until the end of the episode for a fun dating fact presented by our partner Lively, a new dating app that uses videos to tell your story. By the way, we started a t-shirt line and we're pretty sure these t-shirts will make killer presents for the holidays. So check it out on our website at datablepodcast.com.
everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. On each episode, we dissect a dating story, and today I believe we have Connie. We do. That's me. Tell us your dating story. I have so many dating stories. <laughs> I've been in San Francisco for three and a half years and single for the vast majority of it. And I've been on so many first dates. I almost don't call them first dates. When you meet, I met a lot of people through apps. And when you call them, when you meet people through apps, it's more like a first meeting. Yep. Yeah, someone called it a pre-date, pre-first date date. I, I ended up, I time limited them. They were just like, and one drink max, just like really short, just cause you don't, you don't know. But Did you just want to talk. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I've had probably about a hundred of those since I've been in San Francisco. But you said you have a story for us that you want to lead with. Oh, I had a fun little story. Fun so, little story. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So yes. I, um, as I mentioned, I work in um, I work in South Bay, and I take a shuttle from work back to San Francisco. And uh, shuttle time is a great time for tindering and using dating apps <laughs> and all this other stuff, right? <laughs> you have your phone, you can't really do too much other stuff. You know, get get, get some of get some of this stuff. No wonder I get so many matches <laughs> at like. 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah, 8 a.m., 6 p.m., probably prime time for this stuff. So I'm on the shuttle, and then I, um, I message one of my matches. And uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, chat opening statements is something about, hey, right now I am sitting on a bumpy bus. I am riding my way to San Francisco. I just say what I'm doing now, and then I end with, what are you up to? Because it's easy. It just gives them the sense of like what your day-to-day -day is like, and uh -huh. just like it's an easy question to respond to. Yeah. The other guy responded. But you copy and paste because you're on the bus the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, if, if you're in doing a spree, yeah, sure. You can, that's, it's factually true. That is what you're doing. It feels personal. <laughs> uh, so this person that I was messaging responded with, I am also on a bus from South Bay up oh to God. San Francisco. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what neighborhood or which bus and which company? And yeah, it turned out we were on the same bus. That's amazing. And he was upstairs and I was downstairs. We grabbed coffee at work. It was wonderful. It was a fan. You guys work at the same company. Yeah. We were on the same work bus back to the city. Like, literally. That was my most interesting sort of connection. That's, that That's so amazing because I had this conversation with my girlfriend. I was like, "Where's what's a good place to meet guys outside of bars? And she's like, you should come on my work shuttle. <laughs> you should just ride my shuttle with me. You know, a funny advice I got on that was uh, to go to the climbing gym. Because oh. climbing is uh, yeah. still right now mostly guys, and it is a partner-based activity. But it's it also is. an activity that involves exercise. So it's not just like going to a bar and drinking, which is generally not healthy and not good for you. And then the nice thing about the climbing gym is you can be like, oh, I need help with this route. Or you could help somebody else with their route and offer to belay or give them pointers. On what happened to this um, work bus guy? Yeah. Oh, um, he was super nice. We met up with uh, I met up with him at at work because it's convenient. Again, I believe in optimization. So wherever you're at and is convenient for both of you, sure, meet up, have coffee. It was it was fun. There was no like chemistry spark there, but it was it was a nice conversation, and we're still friends. So what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite responses was someone to make apps and babies with. Oh my god. <laughs> That is so San Francisco. I, I wish I could so quote that, ink that, put it on a poster, and sell it on a t-shirt. You better believe that's the title of this episode. Yes. <laughs> so who is this person? I'm attracted to people who are pretty analytical. Um, I like 
I like a lot of engineers. That was so that was like, oh, San Francisco. That seems so that seems so convenient. This like fits in with most people who live here. Yes. Great. I think there's one of the things that inspires me the most about the city is a lot of people here have the drive to change something about the world, try to make something better. I think we're all we all realize that we're fortunate enough to be in the positions that we're in, that we try to give something back or try to use all the resources that we have to actually do something good in the world. And I think that's something that is really, uh, I find to be a very noble char character, characteristic. And the babies part? I'm, I'm 32 right now, so, um, and it's, uh, I, I personally want children. I understand not everyone does, mm -hmm. but that's just something that uh, that would be, would be fun. Yeah, I feel like, so I'm a designer, and I think it'd be really fun. And like I said, I, I like engineers, and that's another kind of partnership, right? You're a designer, yes. you design something, an engineer builds something, you can release all these little apps into the app store and just be adorable. I think back in the day they used to have that. We're like, not back in the day, but... There's a lot of couples that just like doing and creating things together, like, mm -hmm. you know, like doing a little side projects, like, you know, a tiny example is creating a puzzle together or, you know, creating a piece of art together. So this is just another form of that, of really just something that you like to do, something that this other person likes to do, and you're doing it together. I think it's lovely. I mean, when I go on dates, I'm always like playing with business ideas with the person I'm going on a date with. I'm like, what can we build together? What can we do together? But I've noticed a lot of men in the city don't like that. See, I don't know if that's a perfect combination because it, it, it only because of like our life has so many boundaries. Like there's so many things that we want to have. It kind of allows us to just separate and appreciate things in different ways. And when it's all merged into one, I don't, I don't know, I think it just makes it a little bit harder. I, I think, I guess, ultimately, different people want different things. I think mm -hmm. some people want that kind of like partnership. I think the idea that you mentioned earlier about side projects, you want to create things together. You want to yeah. create something that yeah. would be more than what you would have been able to do individually. I think that's ultimately what makes, what makes it work, what makes it better. See, and that's why you want to also have a baby. You're 32. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know your biological clock is ticking. I'm 35. I feel it ticking. I've had six friends now in the past two years who've frozen their eggs, yeah. even some who are in relationships. So your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Uh, so I personally have frozen my eggs. I've actually done two rounds, uh, but one last December and one in February. What do you mean so two rounds? You can do it again. Two sets. Shut up. <laughs> you could just keep harvesting your eggs. You can. You're born with lots, like thousands and thousands and thousands. So this and means then, you want lots of kids, right? Uh, well, not necessarily. Well, I, I personally do want lots of kids. I think that's, be that's because I grew up as an only child and I played way too many board games of Monopoly Me by too. myself. Me so too. I really don't want my kids to go through the same thing. Me too. And I think you learn a lot about sharing and being social and stuff like that. So yes. any number of reasons. So I personally do want more than one kid. And uh, the reason I did two rounds is because you, uh, well, doctors will recommend that you get 20 eggs to ensure one live birth. 20 to 1. Damn. It's kind of it's kind of a rough ratio. So it's really, um, I mean, it's, it's not saying you have to have 20 because the chance, again, rests within each individual egg. You could freeze three and still have one of those turn into a live birth, but the chances are just much lower. Gotcha. So that's the number. So when I froze, it, uh, froze my eggs for the first time in December, I got, uh, I think, 12 total. So that's not, that's not 20. Okay. <laughs> and so... Um, I was trying to understand, all right, well, if I think I want to do it again, again, I, sh I should do it 
while I'm young, well, the younger you are, the more likely you are to produce more eggs and be able to freeze more at once. So if it's something that you think you'd want to consider, it's better to do it when you're young. And the reason Actually, I, I got true. started is because I had more friends who were younger on the younger side, mostly it's women around 35 to 40 who start thinking about freezing their eggs. Yeah. Um, but if you sort of uh, look at, look at the math, like again, I'm, I'm 32. So if I, I'm not, I'm not married, you know, think like, how long does it take you to meet somebody to get engaged, right. to get pregnant? And obviously you can do any of those in any sequence that you want. I figured out for myself, it's going to be at least I'm 35. Mm-hmm. And if I want to have more than one, then what am I, 30, 37, 39? It just continues. And I felt like, well, that's already at an age that's called advanced maternal age. Geriatric. That's what they put on your, <laughs> that's what they put on file. Just so you know, geriatric. Tell us about your process. How was that egg freezing process like? I thought it wasn't as bad as I expected. I was worried about needles. And that's the feedback I get from everybody. Everybody's worried about needles. You have to give yourself injections. What? Yeah. But people have, I think, exaggerated ideas of what it actually is. They think it's getting, injecting yourself every day for three months. It's not, it's literally two weeks. But you're injecting yourself in the abdomen every day for two weeks. Yes, by using these tiny little needles that are half an inch long. They're they're called sub-Q for subcutaneous needles. They go into they go into your fat. We've all got some fat here because that's where it likes to collect. Okay. But it's just a, you, you inject one milliliter of medicine into you. So it doesn't it just goes again into your subcutaneous fatty tissue. It doesn't go into anything else. And you just like pinch up a bit and then you just go. Can I just ask everyone at home who's listening to this right now to imagine injecting yourself with a needle in your abdomen every day for two weeks? Just do it. Just think about it. It's okay. not. I, it's yes. It's a lot to think about, but it's not as bad as you might imagine. It, the most annoying thing, honestly, was the fact that you have to do it at the exact exact same time every day. Oh, kind of like birth control pills. So, yeah. If if you except you need like needles and other things. So yeah, you know, I and the time I picked was eight p.m. because I figured I could get home and I could it could be before I had to go out if I had to go out somewhere and do something because it's literally every single day for two weeks. My most exciting story about that is I was actually going through injections during my birthday. So I had a birthday party at a bar where a bunch of my friends came out. I had all my needles and medications in a little ice pack in my bag. And at 8 p.m., I go into the bathroom of this bar and actually was one of my friends who was a nurse. And um, she helps me inject all the medication, which is at that point, three needles in in a single session. There could be more than one needle. Yeah, because you have different medications that you have to take. Wow. It's two weeks out of your life. It's two weeks and it's 15 minutes a day. But is it the is this the first process in getting your eggs frozen? What's the first? Very it first depends step? on it depends on your personal health. Some people, if you're on birth control, you have to stop birth control. You might have to take certain hormones or do estrogen patches based on that. But like the really the official start of that, aside from generally being healthy and uh, stress free and getting lots of sleep, is yeah the needles start two weeks around two weeks before the actual egg retrieval, the surgical procedure as they call it. And the next step is egg retrieval. Mm-hmm. What is that like? So egg retrieval is, uh, again, not as bad as people think. So 36 hours before your retrieval, uh, which is time based on ultrasounds and how the doctors look at it, like, how are your follicles growing? How is everything looking? Okay, this is the time. Then you take a trigger shot 36 hours before, which sort of gets all the eggs to release. And then 36 hours later, uh, you go into the hospital 
you go, uh, you do, you do go under anesthesia, and the procedure itself takes about 20 minutes. So basically, you, you go under and you wake up 20 minutes later. And that's it. You're hungry, and that's pretty much the only feeling. <laughs> You're hungry. You get, you get cramps for a few days, up to a week or two afterwards, um, but it's really fast. And it's really, uh, you, you obviously don't know any of it that's, that's going on. How long is that process altogether? If you time everything right, it's timed with your period cycles. If you time everything right, it's maybe a month and a half. Can you have sex? Up to a point. And then because you're taking so many hormones, you should not have, you should avoid sex shortly after um, because it increases the likelihood that you'll get pregnant. Because right. you might have a lot of eggs floating around in your follicles. Some people have much stronger reactions to the hormones than others. Some people swell up a lot. Some people don't. I think for me personally, the effects were very minor, so I felt mostly the same. Really, you didn't feel anything? Because my friend, she one was very horny and two very constipated. I think it it, it was mostly minor for me. I mean, it was mo the the, mo the most annoying thing is that I had to train for a half marathon, and I just had really bad planning for all this. And <laughs> when you're doing this, you can't run. Because oh, yeah. you can't bounce around because you risk what something called ovarian torsion, which is a bad like twisting of the ovaries and like that's that's bad. So probably you might want to avoid sex for the, those reasons. <laughs> you shouldn't run or bounce. No physical activity. No, the doctors explained to me like no nothing that would involve you bouncing. <laughs> no bouncing. <laughs> no trampolines, guys. Yeah. Were you going on dates during this time? Because were you were single during this time? Yes. I was. Uh, I guess I, I would say single, but I was I was seeing people at at the time. Yeah. Did you tell these people what you were doing? Like, hey, how are you doing? Good. I was just uh, you know working on my eggs. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I did. I um, personally really really believe in being honest and upfront with people that you're trying to see if this will work out as a relationship. I think if you tell someone something and they don't react well or do, they don't react the way that you would, that makes sense for you, find out quicker. Like, life is short. You don't want to spend too much time on something that you don't think will work out. So just find what out. What were the reactions you were getting? Uh, the reactions were all very, very positive. I, I, don't, I don't know who, like, if anyone, I think I had more funny questions from women than from, than from men. I think from women, people would ask, and because, like, everyone's concerned about this, a lot of women thought this meant failure. They didn't want to do it because it, it felt to them like they were admitting defeat. Like, oh, I failed at a relationship or being married or whatever it was. Um, and thus I need to freeze my eggs. But I view it as more, um, you're really, you're just taking control of your reproductive life. And then you're really enabling that to be independent from your financial or relationship decisions. And you're really, it's really yeah. just about the control that you, that you have. So it's, it's really an investment in yourself. And do, what do the guys say? What were, what were some of their questions? Uh, I think the guys were mostly curious about the process and procedure itself and what, what it entailed. But I think every, like the people that I talked to, um, and maybe I'm just fortunate to have like very open-minded friends in San Francisco, um, but they were all like, yeah, that's great. It's really cool. And actually several of them, um, actually a lot of my friends were the ones who encouraged me to like share my experiences because they, uh, they had so many questions or they wanted to know what it was like, but it would just, it's not a subject that people are either willing to talk about or have experience. So it's, uh, it's a pretty rare, rare thing. During this time, did you date anybody who didn't want to have kids? Uh, I think that's something I sort of filter for, like just mm -hmm. in general. So I, I personally, like, if, if I get a sense that they don't, I'll probably end that. 
Would you ever think about being a single mom? Yeah, I think it's uh, having a child is certainly one of the greatest uh, challenges in life. And it would be nice to have a partner through that. Uh, but if that doesn't work out for some reason, sure, I would absolutely consider it. Michael, how would you feel about dating a girl, let's say on a first or second date, she tells you that she's going through the egg freezing process? I'd be, I'd be just curious as to why she's doing it. It would help me better understand what are the important things to her in her life. And if I feel like those important things that she had aligned with how the things that I wanted and I could see myself with her, I think it might help the relationship. Josh, your thoughts? Everybody, Josh here. Um, <laughs> we have Josh in the house. <laughs> like silent observer. Uh, Lurker. I feel, yeah. I, Michael, maybe you feel this way too, but I feel like it may depressurize the situation, right? Uh, when you're dating someone who's uh, got a, getting up close to that age, sometimes a guy can feel the pressure too, especially if he knows the girl wants to have kids. Yeah. Um, you think to yourself, oh, hey, shoot, well, then I don't want to waste her time, and therefore I need to figure it out sooner, yeah. so I'm being respectful mm. for her time. But knowing that that's an alternative and that's done, then you can actually maybe depressurize it and take the time to figure it out rather than maybe feel a little rushed about it. That's something I felt a lot afterwards, too. Yeah. I felt like there's a sense of, like, relief because you're, yeah. oh, at least I have this taken care of. You know, it's and it's not – to say it's a 100% guarantee that anything will happen, but it's something. But it's never 100% guarantee that you'll have Absolutely, kids. yeah, absolutely. It take it does take the pressure off uh, off relationships and off concerns of, of timing. There's still other factors because if you still like, if you want to be pregnant yourself, it's still better to do that younger rather than older, so it doesn't alleviate all of it. Right. Um, but it also, it doesn't change the factors. It doesn't change like, I'm now going to date somebody who doesn't want kids because that's still not what I'm looking for in a long-term relationship. So I still right. wouldn't pursue that. I think I'm still looking for the same type of person. Yep. It's just sort of some personal pressure and personal time pressure that has been a little bit. Relieved. Well, I think time pressure is a big thing. Yeah. And also, can I just point this out? Cause I have doctor friends who pointed this out to me as much as eggs can get bad. Sperm can get bad as well. Guys looking at me, I'm like, why are you looking at me? Like, I don't do anything here. Sperm can get bad too. How come we never talk about this? It's, it's not a topic of conversation, right? We are we're always like, oh, the woman should preserve her eggs. But men, if you want kids, you really shouldn't wait that long either. Because yeah, you could get someone pregnant, but your sperm could be rotten. I think they generally don't publicize it as much because it's longer than women or it it perhaps like, yeah, mostly because it just, it takes a longer time for that to go bad. But that's not the only factor. Even if you get pregnant, there are certain ages where you might want to be doing, do you want to be doing this with kids at a certain age? Would you like, right. is there a certain, like, I want to be play, playing with my kids when I'm younger, or at least not past a certain age that you have in mind? How old do you want to be when they graduate, when you, you know, you get to go collect your life back and figure all that stuff out. Yeah, it's really hard to get that timing right to know when it's, and it's never perfect. I think the only thing I've heard from my friends who have had children is that it's never the right time, but you just sort of, you work as hard as you can at it to make, to make the best of it. Yeah, you're never, nobody's ever prepared for kids. No one's ever ready. Exactly. No one's ever ready. Takeaways. Hey, everybody, Josh here. Uh, <laughs> I like the need to reintroduce yourself. <laughs> you never know when you would cut it out. Um, so, the more I think about this, it actually might ultimately end up being a good idea to even talk about the fact that that might have occurred at, at some point in time, maybe in the, in the mid-cycle of the relationship where you're kind of getting serious, 
with that person and saying like, Hey, listen, by the way, like there's no time pressure on this thing because it's already been taken care of because Mm -hmm. a guy isn't necessarily going to be thinking like coming straight to you after several dates and going like, Hey, by the way, uh, what's your timeline looking like for kids? Right. (laughs) Though he is, if he wants kids, he's thinking about that. And so it actually might benefit you to bring it up proactively, Mm -hmm. uh, to let that person know that this is not something that you need to factor in in the decision to continue to pursue this relationship, right? Yeah. Okay, so question of the day. Um, This one comes from Renee. She says, when I first met my boyfriend, we were in our early 20s, and we didn't talk about the future. Now we're in our mid-30s, and I realize I want kids, and he doesn't. Mm. Am I screwed in this relationship? That's a really hard situation. I think she's been in this relationship for what sounds like 10 plus years. Mm -hmm. And this is a pretty critical factor for two people to agree on because it's, it it happens to take two to actually make that work. How I would approach it is to try and understand the other person's reasoning Mm -hmm. for, for what they believe and to understand my own and to see if there's some kind of compromise or some kind of understanding. Another thing is kind of realizing like, uh, a potential idea is what is it that having a kid would do for you? Mm. So would it give you a sense of fulfillment? Would it give you a sense of, of giving? Would it give you a sense of whatever that might be? And see if there are other ways that you can actually have that without actually having a kid to get that part of you fulfilled. Maybe, maybe not, but. So in addition to understanding why your partner doesn't want to have, want to have kids, understand why you want to have kids. And seeing if there's other ways to fill that need. The argument can be made that some people are just like, hey, I want to have kids. Right. And for guys and girls, right, we're mammals. Mammals procreate. It's just the way nature works. So we can't be like, oh, hey, by the way, I've, I, I, I like sex and I want to have kids. Sometimes there is maybe no answer around like the reasons why you want to have a kid. Um, and we have to be okay with getting that response saying like, well, what are the reasons why you want to have a kid? What are the reasons why you don't? And maybe the answer is I just want to have a kid. Right. Um, yeah. And for some people who don't want to have a kid, it's like kind of a hard thing to come to grips with. Like, what do you mean? Like why? It's like, I just want to. Right. Um, so understanding that the argument can be made there is also important. And like Connie said, it's all about communication. So if you're able to communicate with one another, it's extremely important for our listeners question. It's like 15, maybe 12 to 15 years that these people were together. Yeah. Uh, Something very strange has been happening to me is that I used to think that you could decide on whether you want to have kid or not without having a partner in mind right? And you decide that individually. Mm -hmm. But the more I date now, now that I'm in my mid thirties, sometimes I date people. I'm like, you're awesome, but I wouldn't want to have kids with you. And then I would date someone else and be like, you're awesome. And I do want to have kids with you. So I kind of feel like sometimes your decision to want to have kids or not depends on the partner you're with. And it's not good or bad. It just depends on how you feel about whether you want to have a kid with them or not. For some people, for I some agree. People. I'm, some people. I'm in that camp with you, but clearly 
you really want to have children. Right. And that, that so is, I don't think it's always, I think some people innately just want to have kids. Yes. Yes. And that's what, you know, Josh was saying too. Innately, do you just want kids or could that be something that's dependent on your partner? So in your situation, Renee, I would say really reflect and be introspective about one, why do you want to have kids? Why your partner doesn't want to have kids? And would you want to try to change his his decision? I mean, is it even worth it? Or are you right? willing to change your own decision? Right. Before we go, Connie, if you could have an app with someone, what, what kind of app would it be? <laughs> I think it would be pretty fun to make an app about meeting new friends. Not necessarily dating. People could use it for dating, but something about building connections with people. I like that. Thank you, Connie, for being here. If you have any interesting or just a dating story that you want to tell us, be on our show, let us know. We can keep you anonymous. We can change your name. We can change your voice, all that good stuff. Thanks, Josh. Hey, Josh here. Hey, Josh here. Thank <laughs> Thanks, Josh, for being in the audience. <laughs> on the count of three, we say stay dateable. One, two, three. Stay, stay dateable. Here's a dating fact brought to you by Lively, a new video dating app. And we have Kat from Lively here. Kat, what do you have for us today? Well, this is an interesting fact about men because usually when I think of men dating, I think that they tend to keep it casual in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But actually, we found that 44% of men start evaluating their date's parenting skills on or before the first date. Shit. A lot of men are actually thinking about, would you make a good parent right when they meet you? Oh, that's fascinating. That's definitely something I wouldn't think about on a first date at all. Or how I'm projecting myself to be, right? Yeah. What about like men and their views on single mothers? Yeah, so this is another interesting fact that we found. Men are only 7% less likely to message a woman who has a child. For single parents out there who are hesitant to put that in their profile. Yeah, this, it's, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You should really disclose yeah. it. Cool. Thanks, Kat, and thanks, Lively, for that dating fact. Videos tell your story better. Download the Lively dating app today at golivelyapp.com. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. Mm -hmm.